well, how do you follow that, anyway? Oh, my gosh. I was like, oh, Marvin, give it up for Marvin. That was killer. Man, tell you what, some of us are going to go home and try and sing in the shower, are we not? That guy's range was crazy. <laughs> well, welcome, everybody, to Christ Center Community Church. My name is TJ. I'm the lead pastor, Impact Fellowship. We're glad you joined us today. If you're just joining us from the middle of this series, actually towards the end of the series, um, talking about some of the values that we hold in this church and really kind of painting a picture for what the church is kind of all about. Now, uh, I've been... I'm not the, the pastor of this church, Pastor Fernando is, but we've done kind of this experiment where we've been switching back and forth. So uh, tonight's going to be my last time with you guys, okay? So, oh good, I'll pay all of you later, perfect. Um, yeah, so it's the last time I get to be with you, so I'm, I'm excited to get to do this with you. Uh, but it's been a really cool thing to watch what God's done. People some started to share stories about what's been happening, and so we're just going to kind of press on and continue on. So if you take out your teaching notes with me, we'll kind of dive in here tonight. And uh, we've done it where we've created our values where it's easy to remember. We've created an acrostic called Christ, you know, because we wanted to be Christ-centered. And so you'll see the top of your notes. If you can try and fill in the ones that you remember, we want to really kind of work that into our hearts. Uh, And if you're new, let me just tell you this. You might be saying, hey, what is this whole, like, uh, core values thing have to do with me. I don't even know if I'm a church person. This is a great series to be at because we're going to paint a picture for what Jesus said the church is supposed to be like. Um, How many of you guys know the church we see today and the church that Jesus pictures aren't quite the same thing. He's working us all. We're all works in progress to get to this place. And so we're going to paint that picture a little bit um, for each one of us. And so if you guys remember the C, anybody remember what the C was? Passion for the lost. Okay, good. H, heart for God. R, getting quieter and quieter. And I invest in people. Okay, good. So tonight I get to kind of talk about the S. Now, before I do, let me just tell you this. Uh, You know, sometimes, I don't know if you notice this. If you're a church person, maybe you notice this. If you're not a church person, you'll probably realize this pretty quickly. Um, Sometimes when you walk through the scriptures or sometimes you see what when Jesus says things, um, it's not always like revolutionary or like revelatory. Like, let me give you an example. Uh, Jesus will say, or the scripture will talk about loving your family. You know, it's really important to love your family and really take care of them and, and nurture them and make sure you train them up in the way to go. Um, I don't think any of us walk out of here saying like, oh man, I never thought of that before. You know, like pff, my mind was blown, right? And that's not a knock at Jesus and that's just some things naturally make sense to us. Isn't that true? He talks about being diligent and working hard. However, sometimes when Jesus will talk about something, it's actually a little bit countercultural for us. It's something that's maybe not as normal for us. Um, being from Hawaii, talking about all everybody here, we understand culture quite a bit, don't we? There's all sorts of different cultures in here. Uh, for me, I remember I've understood the differences in culture. Um, I get to travel to India a lot. And uh, I went to India about nine times in the last couple of years. We worked with an orphanage up in the, the Himalaya Mountains. And uh, I remember in India, it's funny because you go into this place and it's like, anybody been to India? Show hands. Okay, good. So when you get over there, I mean, it's like robust. There's this like really, really like memorable smell. The colors are really bright. Um, it's funny. You think everybody's so different, but there's some things that are just the same as here. For instance, whenever you see like a guy who likes a girl, I mean, you can't understand the Hindi they're speaking, but they still get that stupid dopey smile, you know, and they get that look in your eye and like, oh, something's going on over there. You know what I'm talking about? It's just kind of universal thing. Or for instance, when a, a mother's with her children. I mean, there's just that same nurturing. Some things are actually the same. But some things are actually completely different. 
Let me give you an example. Uh, when I first went over there, I met this guy's name's Om Prakash. I have a picture over here tonight. You can put it up on the screen. This is one of the first trips I ever went over there. Uh, this is Om Prakash. I couldn't say his name, so I called him OP. He's like real close in age to me, so we hit it off. This is probably about nine years ago. We talk story, hang out, kind of the whole nine yards. Well, I remember one day I had finished a project I was working on in the orphanage, and I was sitting in this like, living room, and I was sitting there, and I was on this big couch. Nobody else was in there. Um, I don't know why nobody else was in there, but for some reason, I just had some like downtime. Well, I'm on this couch, like, you could fit literally, like, five, six people on this thing. It's just massive. Well, here comes Om Prakash walking through the middle of the living room. And he stops, and he sees me, and he has this, like, big smile, you know. And he kind of wants to hang out. It's like, okay, cool. So he comes to, you know, hang out, and so he sits on the couch with me. Now, remember, this couch is huge. But for some reason, he decides he's going to sit, like, right here. And when I say right here, I mean, like, right here, right? And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You know, like, this is so strange, like... Your leg is touching my leg. If you think it's hot here in Hawaii right now, you should see India, right? So one, it's like, dude, it's going to be hot. And second, it's like, dude, bro, code, don't sit that close to me right now, you know? Like, give me some space over here. And he's just smiling and that. But it's like, okay, I'm just going to let it go. And it's just us in the room. Well, we're sitting there for a little bit longer. And kid you not, within three minutes, Om goes over and he puts his hand right here on my leg. I look down at his hand and it's like just the two of us. So I can't look for anybody else for social cues. Like, is this okay? You know what I'm talking about? And so I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh my gosh. And like, I look at him and he's smiling and I look down, I look at him like, what is happening? Well, I was like freaking out because where I come from in Oregon, like we don't even hug people. We just shake hands, you know what I'm talking about? And so like Hawaii is already in that. Now I got some guy's hand on my leg and I don't know what to do with that. And so I was sitting there, I was freaking out and I asked somebody later like, oh no, this is normal in India. It just, it's just how like two people are friends. It's not that big of a deal. Well, culturally, I was like in like shock mode, right? But as I come to understood it, it was actually a really kind and affectionate thing. It was just different than the way I was used to thinking. So I ended up being actually okay with it. So if I sit by you in church, guys, I put my hand on your leg, you're welcome. No. Um, yeah, last time that's going to happen. No, but the thing is, is there's a different culture. Now here, let me kind of tie in why I told the story tonight. I don't know if you realize this, but one of the things that Jesus was trying to do when he had his time here on earth is Jesus was trying to teach us a culture. See, heaven has a culture. God has a culture, a way in which he goes about certain things. And what Jesus wanted us to catch is he wanted us to understand what that culture was like. Matter of fact, he spent his time with a a certain group of individuals that he poured in because he wanted them to understand that. See, we have all sorts of different cultures here. We have Filipinos, Japanese, the whole gamut, and God made us all like that. That's great. But there is a culture that God created that supersedes all of those things, that transcends that. And what Jesus was trying to do is he's trying to get to get this thing. Listen, if you'll come into alignment with how I created things, if you'll let me speak into it, and if you'll learn to live by this culture, things will start to thrive. It's a culture that brings hope and it brings life. But I got to warn you, as we look at this culture to, today, it's going to be a little bit different than what makes sense. And what Jesus is going to talk to us about tonight is how to be great. Now, here's what I know about you and what I know about me. All of us, all of us, in some way, fashion, shape, or form, we want to be great in some respect. I mean, some of us in here, we want to be great parents. I mean, that's kind of a drive and aim. We want to be a great spouse. Others of us want to be great in our industry and really set the bar and push. Maybe you want to start something brand new and be an entrepreneur. But all of us, we want to be great. We want to be an athlete. There's something. I have yet to meet the person that comes up and they say, you know what I want to be? It's just terrible at everything. You know, I just want to like inch along in my life. Those people don't exist. It's part of our nature. Now, here's, here might be a little a trip for you, but... Do you know that Jesus actually doesn't condemn that? Actually, what God desires for us is to be great. But here's the thing. Greatness, in God's eyes, looks a little bit different 
and greatness in our world. He's going to talk to us about this path, about this way, about how in which we here can be great. So we're going we're to look at that here a little bit. Now, before I jump into the scriptures and this, I just want to kind of paint a picture of Jesus because, um, you know, when we get around great people, we treat them a little bit different. Isn't that true? Have you ever met anybody famous before? Met anybody that you respected in your industry and that? Um, when we get around great people or people that we at least think are great, we kind of treat them a little bit different, right? Like we stand off a little bit. I don't want to say something stupid. Um, I don't want to walk through there and that. You know what I'm talking about? And so there's that whole kind of dynamic in there. Now, most people, when they picture Jesus, they picture Jesus as this kind of really gentle Mr. Rogers, you know? Like that's kind of the whole thing on it. You know, he's going to like, you know, he's really soft and that. Um, the problem was is that people back that lived in the time of Jesus, they didn't treat Jesus like this. Matter of fact, for even his closest friends, Jesus was so great that they didn't even know what to do with him sometimes. We're going to open up a scripture and look at this. I want you to see this real fast. And this pertains to the message. Mark chapter 10. It's not in your notes, but it'll come up on the screen. It says this. They were now on the way up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. The disciples were filled with awe, and the people following behind were overwhelmed with fear. Okay, now picture this like a movie. Where's Jesus walking? He's walking out in front. They're on a road. They don't have cars back in this time. He's walking way in front, and he's walking by himself. Why? Because other people are following him, and they're at a distance because they're either, one, afraid of him, or they're in awe of him. Why? Because Jesus was unlike anything they'd ever seen. When Jesus would pray for people that were blind, not just once, not just twice, but time and time and time again, they begin to see. When Jesus would pray for people that were deaf, they'd begin to hear. He'd take loaves of bread that was like only meant for one person for lunch, and he would feed a crowd of 5,000 people. I mean, people have never seen anything like this. And so his disciples, his closest friends, people around him, they didn't know what to do. They just held him in high esteem. He was great. He was great. Now, here's the thing. Like I said, this great man, this great one that came from heaven, he was there to teach what the culture of heaven was like, what God wanted us to do. And so basically what's happening is on this journey to Jerusalem, they get to Jerusalem, and here's the thing, is they get to the end, and this is Jesus' last week with them. He spent three years with them. He's about to lay down his life on a cross and do the greatest act of all time, which Marvin already reminded us of. And he's about to do that, and this is his last chance. So what he does is he, he creates a dinner for his 12. And what I want us to see tonight is Jesus is going to give us a secret to that greatness right here at this dinner. This is his last chance. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I only had one chance, I'd make sure that everything that I said was intentional. And so we're going to play this out a little bit. Like, like I shared last week, though, I'm a little bit ADD a little bit. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to not just read this one. I'm actually going to make this one be acted out, okay? So I'm going to pull two volunteers up here real quick, quick, real quick, real quick. Um, I can actually get, Lason, will you come up here? Yeah, you knew that one. And Chrissy Oki, can you come too? You were laughing at him, man. I saw you, dude. Okay, come on up here. Bring him up here real fast. Now, here's what's going to happen. So Jesus is that great. He's at this dinner. So we're going to pick one of these guys to be Jesus and one of these guys to be uh, one of the disciples. So you guys are both Japanese. Well, Japanese <laughs> Jesus. So we'll go, with, uh, um, we'll go with Chris. Chris, you can be Jesus. No, no, late. Yeah, yeah, Chris will be Jesus. Okay, come and bring this stuff out, guys. Here's what's going to happen. Um, we're going to read the scripture, and you're going to do just whatever it says. So, Chris, you're, you're Jesus, and Lason, you're going to be one of his disciples in here, okay? Uh, so, can you pull up the scripture on the screen, please? This is what Jesus says. Now, picture this with me. So, it says this. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God, okay? So, basically, his time's up. This is the end of his time. Then he goes on to say this. So, he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, 
and poured water. So basically what's going to happen, you don't have to take off your outer garment, please. But um, <laughs> you're going to go, and basically you're going to wash Layson's feet right now, okay? Yeah, you're excited, aren't you, dude? <laughs> so Layson, can you kind of sit down here? Uh, Chris, can you take this and then uh, go ahead and wash the feet? Now I'm going to explain a little context that's going on. Are you okay if this happens right now? You don't really have a choice, but that's, you know, I thought I would ask. Okay, good. You can take your slippers off. You can kind of just watch. So you got maybe about a couple minutes. Now, I'm, I'm going to explain what's going on, okay? Did you take a shower today? Yesterday. Okay, yesterday. Good. <laughs> okay, so l- let me kind of explain this. Now, how many of you guys know if you were at dinner and someone started washing your feet, how many of you guys would kind of trip out a little bit? This isn't as strange to them as it is to us. Um, and the reason that it's strange to us is that we don't do this. Back then in this days, they actually did, and here's the reason why. They'd walk around on roads that were like dirty. And then as they would walk, their feet would get just disgusting. And so when they came into a house, this was a normal practice. Now, there was often even somebody to help them do this. But the person that was often the one that helped was often the lowest servant in the place. So the lowest servant would come. So now remember, I told you Jesus was great. Like they held him high esteem. They couldn't even walk next to him. And in the next scene, Jesus, the first thing he does at dinner is he gets up from the place of honor, he takes off his outer robe, and he gets down and starts washing their feet. How would you feel? Don't just think about what's happening. How would you feel? I mean, I was trying to put this in perspective. The only thing I could get close is, like, imagine if, like, I don't know, someone famous like Obama or somebody came into your house for dinner, and he's there, and the first thing he wants to do is to, like, clean your bathroom. You're like dude, you can't go in there. That's wrong, you know? Like, like, that's not for you. I'll do that later. Just, I'll take care of that. You just come sit over here. Jesus is kind of doing a similar thing right here. So kind of do that. So can I have a, a handheld? Do we have a handheld I can use? Can I just use this one right here? I'll just use the one that Marvin was on earlier. Okay, so what I wanted to do is I wanted to uh, go ahead and, and interview both of these guys, kind of what this experience is like for them. Okay, so we'll, we'll start with uh, Chris. How is this for you? Totally lied to you right now. It's not going to come on. <laughs> but this one will. Okay, go ahead. Uh, first time I ever did anything like this, but. Um, Do you know each other, by the humbly. way? Yeah. Okay, yeah, good. good. That's good. Closest I've gotten to his feet. And, uh, <laughs> okay, good. It was an experience. It was an experience to, to do something like this, to be at a place where you're not normally and to serve someone like. Okay, good. Is this your first time ever washing anybody's feet? Yeah. Not even your wife's feet? Not even my wife's feet. Oh, bro. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So, uh, Layson, let's talk about this. How's this for you, man? Uh, I just imagine um, that Chris was Jesus. Don't get all spiritual on me, dude. Oh, I just was, because I know Chris, so I was like, oh, okay, Chris is cleaning my feet. I thought, oh, what if this was really Jesus? But it's, it is kind of nice. It's kind of nice. Okay. As clean as my feet has ever been. <laughs> okay, good. Now, for you naturally, where would you want to be? Would you want to be here or would you want to be here? Would you there? Where would you rather be, here or here? Okay, interesting. Isn't it interesting? Everybody would rather be here. Can you say thank you to these guys? Perfect. Well done, guys. You can leave this stuff here, guys. I'm going to just leave it now. Okay, so Jesus gets up and does this. Now, remember, this is the first thing that he does. Now, why did he do this? Now, thank God I don't have to tell you why we can actually read it because he explained it very, very clearly. It's the first thing that he wanted to do, but this is what it says. You can bring it up on the screen. The reason Jesus did this, he says, after washing his feet, putting on his robe again, and he sat down and he said this, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your teacher and Lord, 
have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Or in other words, he's saying this, listen, you hold me in high esteem. You hold me in that great place and that greatness. And he says, you know, you're right to do that. But you've got to understand, if I'm the one that instructs you, if I'm the one that you've put in that spot, and I came and I washed your feet, then you need to actually be able to do the same. You need to do likewise. This should be a demeanor of greatness for you. He says, do as I have done to you. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. And I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their masters. Go to the next one. Nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends a message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So in other words, one of the things that Jesus is doing right on the bat, last dinner, don't miss this. Saying, listen, I need to make sure they understand what greatness really is. It's not sitting in the chair lording over others. It's picking up the towel and serving. Now remember, he's trying to teach them a culture. This wasn't the first time he taught this lesson. Matter of fact, years before, or maybe months before, we're not sure exactly how long before, but there was two of his disciples that came to Jesus one time and said, Jesus, we want to sit in the place of greatness in your kingdom. We want to sit on the right and left when you go to heaven. And this is what he said to him. He said this. Bring it up, please. So, so Jesus called them together and says, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Everyone say different. Different. Good. So what he's saying is this. What's normal in your culture, what's normal in your world, what you're used to, is that whenever you're great, whenever you're in authority, you know what you do with it? You lord it over people. You put yourself in high esteem and you lord it over people. He says, but among you, it has to be different. In the kingdom of heaven, it has to be different. There has to be a shift. And he says this. He says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So in other words, Jesus is saying this. Listen, if you want to be great, it's simple. If you want to be great, then you need to be a servant. Because in the kingdom of God, a servant is the greatest position there is. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was taught about greatness growing up, servant and greatness aren't the same thing. Matter of fact, you go to college so that you'd end up a servant. Isn't that true? You esteem different things than that. But Jesus says, no, you're missing the point here. Greatness comes when you're a servant. Matter of fact, that's your first fill in the blank if you're taking notes with us here um, today. It says this, according to Jesus, the secret to greatness is to serve. Our value is this, we serve Others like Jesus. Now, here's one of these things that, you know, as I was prepping this message, I kind of worked everything to get to this point right here. Because I'm guessing if you're a church person that you've seen this illustration before, I'm guessing that if you're not a church person, you probably even know some of the foot washing kind of things that Jesus kind of did. And when you think, oh, serving in church or serving, that's kind of what it is. You're like, oh, yeah, that naturally makes sense to me. Uh, in the sense of, like, I knew church teaches that. I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but I know that they teach that. The money point for us or the application or everything that's going to hit here tonight where I really feel like God wants to speak to us is not just in the information, but it's in the application. And I have two questions to do that. And the first one is this, is in your life, where do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as sitting in the chair or do you see yourself over here with the towel? Let me press it even a little bit closer. In your relationships that you have, in all the indifferent environments that you live in, do you see yourself in reference to other people as the person that sits in the chair where others are coming to help you, or do you see yourself as the one that picks up the towel? Let's push it even closer. Let's talk about even in marriage. Let's talk about husbands in here. Husbands, when you look at your spouse, how do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself sitting? Do you see yourself sitting in the chair right here 
where your spouse is there to help meet your needs. They're there to help come alongside and, and husbands to support you and make sure that you get further where you are right now, to make sure that there's an abundance in there. She's supposed to do these things for me. Or are you on the other side of the equation down here saying, you know what, my wife is a gift from God that I'm here to now serve, that I want to make sure that she blooms, that she blossoms, that she grows, that I can't wait. I'll do everything I can to create a space where she will become the woman that God created her to be. Which one is it? Do you hold the towel or do you sit in the chair? Now, some husbands might say, well, I mean, I'm supposed to sit in the chair because like, I'm the leader, right? So, yeah, you know, that's a scriptural thing. You're the leader. But remember, it says to lead just like Jesus did and to love your wife like Jesus loves her, right? which means that he laid down his life for her. That's what it looks like. So where do you sit? Wives, where do you sit? When you look at your husband, is your husband there? Because he needs to make me happy. He needs to be the one to bring joy out of me. He needs to do everything that he needs to do to make sure that everything's in alignment for us. Or do you look at yourself as having the towel and saying, you know what? I'm so glad that God gave me this man. I'm going to come alongside him and be a strong support. I'm going to do whatever I can to draw life out of him and to to see him become the man of God that I know that God created him to be. The the, the change is is different. Now, just picture this for a second. You don't even have to be a church person to understand this in a sense. Let me ask you a question. If you have two people coming into a marriage and they both sit in this seat right here, what kind of marriage do you think they're going to have? Difficult, right? Something that's not going to be... You think they're going to have a great marriage? No, they're going to battle over this the entire time. I mean, they might find a way to make it quote-unquote work. You know, they kind of cohabitate and make it through stuff, but they're not going to thrive. And the reason they're not going to thrive because they're both sitting in this thing trying to figure out what the other person's going give to give to them and what they can get from the marriage. Now, if you have two other people that actually come into the marriage and they both know to pick up a towel, what kind of marriage do you think they're going to have? But Jesus says they're going to have a great marriage. Because they know that being able to serve and to come alongside one another, that that's going to be an overflow, an abundance. Like, listen, you might be able even to get to a good marriage sitting here, but if you want a great one, I can tell you the great one comes when you pick up the towel and you start really learning how to serve. Let's talk about it as a friend. With your friendships, think of your best friends, your closest friends. Which seat do you sit in? How do you see it? Does it sound more like this? Oh, I'm so glad for that person there in my life. They always help, you know, they're always there for me. They always bail me out. They always kind of come right when I need them. And, you know, when you start talking, you're more grateful for what they're doing for you. Or does it sound like the opposite where you say, you know what, I love this person. And in this person, I just, I I really want to be able to do everything I can to see them get where they need to get. See them become who they're supposed to become. The greatest friendships in the world are friendships where people pick up a towel. Matter of fact, if you have a friendship where if you find yourself saying the things that sit right in this chair, then chances are you have a one-sided friendship. And God knows there's a lot of one-sided friendships in the world. But that's not the one where iron sharpens iron, is it? Iron sharpens iron when both people come in with the towel. They're saying, you know what, I am glad what they do for me, but I'm pouring into this friendship. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to be a blessing to them and not just that they bless me. It's a completely different mindset. Let me just do two more. I know some of you guys in here own your own business, your employer. We'll do employer-employee. Let's say as an employer. As an employer, do you sit in this chair or do you rather come over here and grab the towel? Well, obviously, I sit in the chair. I pay the bills, you know. I mean, they work for me on that. So I kind of like go over there. I'm I'm the leader. Now, that's true. You are the leader of it. But remember, Jesus was very clearly the leader of all these people as well. And the leader in this case didn't just stay in the chair. He actually got down and served. Are your employees... There, just to make sure they get whatever you want done, 
Are they there to kind of just go and hit metrics that you're willing to do whatever it takes to get there and they're the means to get to that place? Or do you serve them as well when you're on this journey on the way together? Let me ask you like this. Are your employees better off because they worked for you at the end of their time? Are they better people? Did you care about them? Did you help them grow? Because if you did, then I can tell you, you're on your way to greatness. Matter of fact, you don't have to be a church person again to know this. I mean, those of you guys that are in business, you understand this. The best companies in the world, the great companies, aren't just the companies that hit the targets all the time and use people and destroy people to get there. The greatest companies in the world are ones that do get to where they need to get, but they also take a huge interest in their employees. Isn't that true? Companies like Google, companies like the, you guys will know the names better than I do. So greatness isn't found in us lording over it. True greatness comes when you're actually able to serve. Now, employees, you might say, well, let's talk about you for a second. Where do you find yourself? Like, oh, that's easy. I'm the slave in this equation. You know, I got to do whatever anybody says. They kind of just give directions. They got to do it. I got to do it. And if you're not careful, though, you might be surprised where you actually sit. It might sound something like this. My boss never takes care of me. My work environment, they don't do this, and they're not watching out for my best interests. And, and pretty soon what you're saying is, is they're not meeting my needs. And in essence, the expectation, if you're not careful, is, is that I'm sitting in the chair and they need to be doing these things for me. Now, at this point, I realized I probably touched on a little bit of, of places and buttons, and you might be sitting here saying, you know what? You don't know my story. You don't know what my workplace is like. You don't know what my marriage is like. You've never been in these things. I mean, I do all this stuff, and it's like they don't even pay attention to know that. And the truth is, is you know what? I don't know that. I don't know your environment. I don't, I've never been in your marriage or in your work environment. But I can tell you, one who has is Jesus. And Jesus, in the sense of that he experienced the worst possible conditions and environment you can imagine. When we started in the scriptures tonight, we talked about the disciples. Uh, remember, he got down and he washed their feet. How many disciples were there and he washed his feet? Hey, 12. Does anybody find that interesting? There's 12. You're a church person. What you might find interesting at this moment is that Judas is still there. Judas, the same guy who in a couple hours from that very moment is going to go and sell Jesus out and betray him and cause the most terrible suffering that could ever... The very source of that suffering is in that room. And you know what Jesus does with him? Washes his feet. Why? Because that's what greatness looks like in the kingdom. It's not contingent on what the other side does. True greatness says, when I enter into this, I enter in with the towel. I'm not in a place to lord over people in that because that's not how God operates. God lifts up those who start to really serve and to bless other around. He looks for it. His eyes search through the world to see it. So the first question for you, my friend, is where, where do you see yourself tonight? In your relationships, do you sit in the stool, sit in the chair, or are you in the towel? If you're taking notes, that's the two positions that we can come from. You're either sitting in the chair or you're picking up the towel. Now, second question is this. And this one's going to be hugely contingent on the first question. But what do you do with the things that God has given you? You know, last week we talked about gifts. What do you do with the gifts and ability God's given you? Depending on which seat you sit in, it's going to be completely different. You're either going to build your own kingdom or you're going to invest and build God's kingdom. Let me tease that out. Some of you guys in here have a way with words. You're just gifted with words. You can always say things the right way. Now, if you see yourself sitting in this chair, let me tell you what you're going to probably do with your words. If you see yourself sitting here, what you'll do at home is you'll use your words to make sure that you win the arguments, to make sure that you get everything crystal clear. Your point of the argument comes through. You can shut other people down because you always know what to say. And, you know, your kids might listen to you, but they're going to be afraid of you. 
Because as your words come through, you use it to cut down. You cut straight to the bone. And you know what? Sometimes you're even right, but you use it to kind of dominate. If you're in your workplace, my chances are what you'll likely do with your words is you'll use it to paint yourself in the best light. And you'll paint everybody else in, you know, like a decent light, but you'll always be elevated around it, above them because you've got a gift with words. And the way that you naturally may see it is that you may sit in the chair. Now, if you have a towel, the same gift is going to look completely different. When you're at home, you know what you're going to be like? You're going to use your words to build people up. You're going to use your words to serve. You're going to talk to your spouse in such a way that the words that you use draw life out of them. Your children are going to run to you and love you because you always say the right thing in the right moment because you use their gift to serve them. At work, you're not only going to prevent, present your own ideas, but you're going to be able to holistically help others. And people are going to want you on your team right and left. You know why? Because you're like the best team member ever. You bring life out of everybody. Your words are like medicine for people's souls. The difference in what you do with it is where you see yourself in life. Do you see yourself in the stool or in the chair, or do you see yourself picking up the towel? What Jesus would say is, listen, if you want to be great, it starts with the towel. It starts with the towel, and you watch what happens. I mean, you just see. Let me use one other example. Some of you guys in here are leaders, and you have strategic thinking. If you sit in the chair and you have that as your, your, your natural disposition, then chances are at home you're going to make sure that all the decisions end up exactly where you want. You're going to be driving everything towards your picture of things, and you know exactly how to strategically do this. At work, you're going to make sure that you're taking care of and you're, you know, you're, your whole end game is exactly what it is that you want, even if it's at the expense of other people. You're going to make sure you get there. And that's just, I mean, you might even hear hearing this now and saying, you know, isn't that just the way the life is? And I say, you know what? I agree with you. In our culture, that's what we're taught. That's what I was taught. This is naturally me. So just if you feel like I'm talking down to anybody here, please, you're totally missing the mark because I'm talking to myself here. I mean, I naturally sit in this chair. I'll tell you first and foremost. My natural disposition, because I grew up in an environment where I had to take care of myself. And when you take care of yourself, you just do your own thing and you like, if I don't do it for me, then who's going to do it for me? But I've learned in my life that in my, my, my path and what God's led me down, is that this doesn't lead to greatness. What leads to greatness is when I actually serve. Because then not only do I receive life, but everyone receives life around me. And that's what the kingdom's like. It's a win-win thing. It's not that we take life from another. It's that we are sources of life. We have the spring of life in us. It's going to flow out of us. So as a leader, if you sit here and strategic, that's naturally what it'll look like. But if you're one that serves, what you'll start to do as a leader is when you look at your family, you'll start to say, you know, what's the best for them and how can we get there? And since you're a leader and strategic, you'll make sure that they get to that place. When it's in your company, you'll be able to say, you know what, I still need to take care of what I'm doing, but I'm also going to widen my gaze and look at those around me and see how I can help everybody cross the finish line together. See, this is why I love the scriptures. When you read the scriptures, it's so balanced. The scriptures don't say, don't focus on yourself, only do what's for everybody else. That's how it works. Matter of fact, what the scripture says the exact opposite of that is there's a tension and a balance you need to manage in this. It'll come up on the screen if you can from Philippians. This is Paul talking. He says this. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's the NIV. I'm going to use the NLT also. 
It's a little bit easier. If you're new to church, by the way, there's different translations of the Bible. Uh, NIV, um, ESV are kind of word for word. They're a little bit harder to understand. NLT paints a real clear picture and kind of big theme. So the NLT is going to come up, it says it like this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. That verse four, don't look out only for your own interests. So in other words, it says you, you do need to take into account your own interests. This is the balance part that I love. But he's saying while you're doing that, while you're making sure to take care of what you need to take care of, will you have a heart like the towel and say, I'm going to start to look out for everyone else and to serve? And if you do, this is the same attitude that Jesus had. This is the path to greatness. And in every realm that I can think of, if you'll adopt this attitude for your life, it will change everything. If we'll adopt this attitude for our church, this is what the difference between being a good church and a great church is going to be. It's when people come into a church and they say, you know what? My primary thing isn't to sit into a stool and to just have people come and meet my needs and then I, this is what I need, me, 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 in this whole thing. But the best churches in the world are the ones where there's a bunch of people that together say, you know what? I have a towel and I'm here to help and to contribute. And you know what else happens along that way? This is just the nature of how things work. As you start to serve like this, you're going to have a bunch of other people coming alongside and serving you as well. And in that kind of a church, could you imagine the environment that would erupt in here? I mean, it would just be the most life-giving place. It would be great, and it wouldn't be great just because we have the greatest production or the greatest age. It would be great because the culture of heaven is starting to be in this place. If you're here and you're willing to pick up a towel, I can tell you that God will meet you in your marriage. If you're here and you're willing to pick up a towel and you're in your workplace, I'm telling you, God will show up in your workplace. It says this, that God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He will lift you up if you'll only live by the way that he wants you to live by. Now, I, I understand this is a very unnatural thing because it's unnatural for me as I already shared with you. But I'm telling you, is this is one of those big keys that will unlock greatness inside of your life. It's going to unlock greatness inside of our church. And it's something that only Jesus can help us actually produce inside of our lives. See, you're not going to do this by just saying, like, okay, I'm just going to like self-will it and get down there and just kind of go through the motions. No, the only way you're going to do this is if there's a genuine change in your heart. And you know what? When Jesus died on the cross, he made a way for your heart to be truly changed and transformed. See, in a moment, we're going to take communion. And as we take communion, communion is really going back to the foundation of our faith, that because of what Jesus did, the greatest man that ever lived, because of what he did on the cross, not only are we made right with God, but you can become a new creation from within. Matter of fact, if you're here and you've put your faith in Jesus, this is already happening. This is already going on in you. You have strength in you that you don't know. You have humility in you that you don't know. You'll start to change to the point that one day when you look in the mirror, you won't even recognize yourself. And we can tell you, I've seen it time and time again because this is what the Holy Spirit's trying to do. He's trying to produce greatness in you. He's trying to produce life in you. My friend, I want to ask, will you allow him to do that? Will you allow him to work? Your application point tonight is simple. It's this. I just want you to picture one relationship. One relationship where you, even sitting here now, realize that, you know what, I probably sit in the stool. And this week, your application point is to try is whatever this looks like in that relationship to pick up the towel and to serve them. Whenever you run across them this week, you serve them. If it's during, you know, one of your coworkers, you ask if they have any extra work that you can help with. You come alongside just to check in and see how they're doing. If it's your spouse, you pick up extra chores, you know, is there anything I can do just to bless you? 
anything that can do just to come alongside and serve. Don't worry about how they respond. You know that it doesn't, you can't control what they're doing, but you can control what you're doing. And if you're willing to pick up a towel and walk down the path to greatness, then God will show up in your life and he'll change you and transform you. You watch as things will start to shift as the kingdom of God and the culture of heaven gets in that place. But it's only possible because we have a savior in heaven who loves us and he sent his spirit to change us. And he died on the cross to make a way. The greatest act ever done was not when Jesus came in on a high and mighty horse and ran the Romans out of Jerusalem. The greatest act ever done was when he came in and he laid down his life and he served. And in that service, it says that God lifted him up, conquered death, and he gave him a name.